0: Well, just so you know, we didn't forget communion. I know some of you are thinking, wait a minute, we were supposed to take communion. We haven't done it yet. Why? Did Ken forget? No, Ken called an audible this morning because as I was thinking through what I wanted to share with you, it seemed to me that communion would be the natural response to the message. And we do that usually on Good Friday and other special occasions. We have communion after the message, and it just lends itself to an opportunity to reflect on what we just heard from God's Word. It's an opportunity to confess sin and to make sure our hearts are right with the Lord. And so uh, we are going to be taking communion here at the end of our service. But over the past uh, several weeks, I've been thinking and praying about what to preach this morning, because I just always feel compelled to preach something on the first Sunday of the year that would serve to cast some kind of vision for the new year or provide us with a fresh perspective on living for Christ as we launch into a new year together as a church. I don't know what goes through your mind during this time of year, but personally, I always view the beginning of a new year as a chance to get a clean slate. Who doesn't want a clean slate, right? Or to have a fresh start to uh, get back on the right track, uh, if you will, in the areas that I feel maybe I've fallen short or failed in the previous year, and that's why I'm thankful for verses like Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, and you can take your Bibles and turn there with me. We're going to look at a couple of verses here uh, just by way of introduction. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, Paul in the middle of sharing his personal testimony of how he came to know Christ, he says in Philippians 3, verse 12, not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect. In other words, I'm not there yet. I have not arrived. Uh, I still got a long way to go in the sanctification process. Uh, I'm not like Jesus yet, but I'm getting there. So he says, not that I've already obtained it or have already come to be imperfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. In other words, why did Jesus save us? Ultimately, it was to make us like him. Verse 13, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. I'm not like Jesus yet, but one thing I do, here it is, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So the goal of the Christian life is, as we mentioned last week, to be holy as God is holy or to become as much like Jesus as humanly possible. If you are a Christian, I hope you know that's your goal. Um, But I also like Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. This is one passage that always uh, inspires me, motivates me. This is uh, probably because there's an athletic analogy in it, and uh, most guys like athletic analogies, Um, something about sports here. Hebrews chapter 12, coming out of chapter 11, uh, that hall of faith, Listing all the great men and women of the faith. And then he says in verse chapter 12 verse one, "Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses or examples surrounding us in other words, everybody we just read about in chapter 11, we're surrounded by these great examples, let us also let us lay, also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us." In other words, uh, we've got these examples from the Old Testament, even the New Testament, that should inspire us to in our race. They, they faithfully ran their race, and now it's our turn. We're on the track. We're running our race, and we need to lay aside everything that's slowing us down, that's hindering us, that's tripping us up, that's entangling us. Some of that is sin. Others of it may not be sin in and of itself, but it definitely is slowing us down. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. And then I love verse four. Sometimes it gets uh, left out because there's a break in some of our Bibles going into the section on discipline. But notice it says in verse four, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. In other words, they crucified Jesus. You're not even close to that. In your striving against sin. I, I think, I don't know of a better Biblical summary of the sanctification process and that little phrase striving against sin. That's the sanctification process. We are striving against sin all the time. And then first 1 John 1:9, 1, who doesn't love this? If we confess our sins, he is what? You have this memorized. He's faithful. He's just to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Talking about a, a clean slate, right? A fresh start. Did you notice these verses that, at least for me, give me great hope, uh, inspiration, motivation? I trust they do the same for you. But all of them mention one thing, they, they all have a common denominator. What is it? Sin. 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 And so we need to understand that admitting sin, confessing sin, repenting of sin, and striving against sin is the very root of the sanctification process. You can't be a Christian and not be constantly dealing with sin in your life. That's just what it means to be a Christian. And I mentioned last Sunday that uh, since we're in the sanctification section of Romans, Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8, that I've been reading and meditating on the subject of holiness, which is another word for sanctification, which holiness simply means to be set apart uh, from sin unto God. And uh, I mentioned that I'm going back through the pursuit of holiness by Jerry Bridges, a classic little book, but then as I was thinking and praying about what to go through with the men and Iron Man, the book on my shelf that just screamed out at me was J.C. Rowell's Holiness. And I thought it was interesting. I hadn't read the book for years, and I began just thumbing through it, and based on what we've been learning in the book of Romans, uh, it was no surprise that the very first chapter in Rowell's book on holiness is simply titled, Sin. That sounds like an encouraging book to read, right? Hey, I just want to read a book about sin. But this is what Ryle says. He says, quote, I'm convinced that the first step towards attaining a higher standard of holiness is to realize more fully the amazing sinfulness of sin. that sound familiar? We just talked about that a, a few weeks ago. In our last sermon in Romans chapter 7. In fact, the, the title of that message was The Sinfulness of Sin. And so, if you've come to Lakeside for any length of time, you probably have gotten the sense that we talk a lot about sin here. Why is that? Because we study the Bible a lot here, and the Bible has a lot to say about sin. And we live in a sinful world, and we're all sinners who battle with sin every day of our lives. There's not a day of our life on planet Earth that we have not and will not have to think about and deal with sin. That's life on Earth. In unredeemed flesh. And we long for that day when we will get to heaven and not have to deal with sin, think about sin ever again. In fact, that's going to be some getting used to. It's going to be a huge adjustment. If that's all we've been doing our entire lives is thinking about sin, dealing with sin, right, fighting sin, and all of a sudden there's no sin, that's going to be amazing. I mean, who can even imagine what that would be like? We can't. We never experienced that. And so I would submit to you that every faithful church is in the sin business. That's what we do. Our job is to help people comprehend sin, confess sin, and conquer sin in their lives. And thankfully, we're not doing this on our own, because God is in the business of redemption and restoration, His job is to convict people of their sin and lead them to repentance and grant them forgiveness and redeem their life and restore their life. And as a pastor, um, I guess the greatest thrill is getting to have a front row seat in that whole process. Watching God do his thing of redeeming and restoring people's lives, rescuing people's lives out of sin and, and, um, and making them like Christ. I mean, I can't think of anything more exciting, anything more satisfying than that. Watching God transform people's lives, including your own, and oftentimes starting with your own, Well, as a pastor, I received lots of letters and, and emails from a lot of different ministries, as you can only imagine. Um, this week, I got an email from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, and uh, I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with that ministry. Billy Graham went, to be, went home to be with the Lord this last year, um, his son Franklin Graham has uh, been leading the ministry uh, for uh, many years now as his dad was aging and in bad health. And so um, this email that I got contained a link to this new program that they recently produced called Flying Blind. And uh, a lot of these things I just kind of click off and delete, 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 right? I don't have time to read all these things. And But this intrigued me and and so I started exploring a little bit, reading a little bit about it, and it basically follows the, this, this program follows the stories of four individuals who are trapped in some of the most common sins of our generation. Infidelity, pornography, homosexuality, drugs. I mean, these have become common sins in our day, not just out in the world, but even within the church. And each of these people, as I was watching this video, admitted that they had ignored life's warning signals, and they ended up experiencing the devastating consequences of their sin, but then they shared how God rescued them when they repented and gave them new life. And it's not often that I move to tears, you can just ask my wife. Um, but I was moved. I was touched by the realness and the rawness of these personal testimonies that highlight the awful power of sin. I mean, it was like, man, sin is so destructive, it, it destroys lives. Not just the life of the person who's doing the sinning, but everyone who's involved with that person. It just destroys everyone and everyone or everything around them. But I was also moved and touched by the awesome power of redemption and restoration when we repent of our sin. And I also felt that Franklin Graham's very simple, straightforward, biblical message and invitation to find redemption and restoration in Christ alone was very compelling. And after watching the video, my first thought was that I wanted everyone in our family to watch this video. And in fact, I picked up my laptop and I went out and, to find whoever was home. And it happened to be my wife and my daughter sitting on the couch, and I put my laptop in front of them on the coffee table and said, you guys got to watch this right now. And they did. My second thought was, man, I want everybody in the church to see this. And so I ordered the DVD, which is on its way, I hope, at some point, will get here. I was thinking of showing it in a quipping hour or some other venue. But the more I thought about it, I couldn't get this, the images out of my mind and the message out of my mind, and it was, I just felt like there was nothing that I could preach this morning that would be more encouraging, more compelling for us as a church to hear, to get us off on the right foot as we start off this new year. So I want to do something that we don't normally do on Sunday morning. Uh, We're not going to start showing videos instead of sermons, okay? Me preaching sermons, don't don't freak out, all right? But I, I really want us to watch this together. It's only about 20 minutes or so. But just so you know, this is my purpose, this is my prayer, is that it will motivate us to confess and repent of any sin that might be in our lives and get right with God so we can have a clean slate and a fresh start as we begin this new year together. Let's watch this. And I'll come up and make some closing remarks.